you're not new and you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, you know that we're right in the middle of a conversation called In Other Words. And In Other Words is this series that we're doing where we're talking about the words that we use because we know this. Um, depending on where you grew up, you use words differently, right? Or maybe sometimes you use different words all based on where you grew up. So if you're like me and you grew up in the South, then you might be someone who speaks a little bit of redneck. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Does anyone here speak redneck? Just that, yeah, a little bit. Okay, so if you speak redneck or you grew up in the South, I'm going to need your help. I've got four words that I want you guys to define out loud for me, okay? Here's some redneck words. These are really simple, okay, so you probably know these. Um, Y'all. Yeah, that's right. You all. You got it. Y'all means you all or you guys, you know, if you grew up somewhere up north, you guys. Hey, you guyses, right? Or uh, I like it when Southerners, and I've done this before, when we say all y'all. You know what I'm talking about? It's like I got y'all, but then I got all y'all, which is like weird because y'all means you all. So it's like all you all, right? It's weird. Okay, so anyways, y'all, that's a Southern word. What about this one? Coke. What does Coke mean? Soda. It doesn't mean Coca-Cola, it just means soda, right? So if you go to a restaurant and you're like, hey, can I have a Coke? The waitress will say, what kind of Coke? And you're like, oh, I'll take a Sprite, you know, because Coke doesn't mean Coca-Cola. It means soda because we grew up here in Atlanta, home of Coca-Cola, thank you very much. So as far as I'm concerned, all soda is Coke and don't you dare bring Pepsi. Okay, so anyways, fixing to. I'm about to, that's right. So if I'm, if I'm getting ready to do something, like if I'm getting ready to go over there, then it's like, oh, I'm fixing to go over there, right? I'm, I'm not going to fix something over there. I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to go, right? Fixing to. That's what fixing to means. Okay, last one. Bless her heart. Say that again. <laughs> okay, she got it right. He said, she's an idiot. Okay, that's what bless her heart means because this is what you do, right? Yeah, no, 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 it's true. It's like if you see one of your friends maybe or like some girl, if you see her like run into a sliding glass door, then you might look at your friend and say, well, bless her heart. She's dumb as rocks, right? It's like, it's what you say right before you insult someone. Well, bless his heart. Well, bless her heart. And then you say something terrible, right? Okay, so that's, those are some kind of Southern words because if you grew up in the South, you might speak a little bit of redneck. And if you grew up, and we've said this the past couple weeks, if you've grown up around churchy people, or maybe you live with some churchy people, or maybe you hang out with a lot of churchy people, then you might speak, or maybe you've heard people speak what I like to call Christianese, right? And Christianese is like this language that we made up, and we only use it when we're around other churchy people. And it's all these words that, you know, it's like we use, we don't quite know what they mean. And here's some examples of Christianese. Uh, Christianese words like amen, right? Amen, amen, right? It's like, it's what we say when we're really excited about something. It's like, Amen. Okay. And then you got blessed, which is another word for like lucky because we don't believe in luck. So we say that you're hashtag blessed. Okay. And then you got glory. And this one's fun. Glory is like, it's like really good. You know, it's like if you grew up in maybe a like Southern Baptist, you know, church, then you might have heard someone say glory, right? When they get really excited. Okay. There's glory. And then there's gospel, which is like the story of God. But all of these words, and there's so many other words, are all these Christianese words. And here's the problem. The problem is for these Christianese words, even if you've grown up around these words, or even if you've grown up around Christians, or even if you've grown up around churchy people, and even if you've used these words, 
Sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we don't actually know what these words mean. Even though sometimes we use these words, we still don't know what they mean. And that's an issue. That's a big problem. The reason it's a problem is these words describe God. Which means, which means, and this is huge. This is the whole point of the point of the series. If if our words that we use, if we don't understand what these words mean and they describe God, then maybe we're not understanding who God is. We've even said this, the better our definition is, the better our view of God is. Because these are all the words that we use to describe God. So the whole point of the series is we want to take a look at the words that we use that describe God and actually understand those words a little better. So tonight, the word that we're going to be looking at is this word right here. Scripture. Woo! Contain your excitement, okay? Yeah, we're going to be talking about Scripture. Now, tonight is going to be a little different than the past couple nights. And the reason it's a little different is the past um, couple weeks, we've been talking about words like salvation and sin and baptism. And our goal has been to have a better definition In other words, we want to define these words better. We want to know what these words mean. Well, tonight, we're not going to focus on the definition of the word, because I think a lot of us already know what Scripture means, right? Scripture is like, it's like the holy text, or it's like the sacred text, or the writings. It's like your Bible, right? We all kind of know what Scripture means. So we're not going to focus on the definition. Instead, and get ready, because I'm about to use a really big word, okay? Instead, we're going to focus on the connotation what exactly? Okay. The connota- okay, the definition is what a word means. The connotation is how a word makes you feel. How it makes you feel. So there's some words you hear that are really hopeful and joyful and it makes you feel good, and other words you hear that are really negative and it kind of makes you feel down. The connotation is how a word makes you feel. And here's what I know about you, even if I haven't met you. When you hear the word scripture, you start thinking things like get me out of here, right? It's like, are you kidding me? You start thinking things like, where's my pillow? It's like, that is really boring. Are you kidding me? Why did I come on the night that they're talking about Scripture? For some of you, you're like, when I heard him say he was going to say Scripture, I wanted to take like a bathroom break for 30 minutes, you know? It's like, I don't want to, you know, because when we hear the word Scripture, for many of us, if we were honest, we would say something like, you know, when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to Scripture, I don't really feel like reading Scripture, I don't really feel like reading scripture. It's like, I know I should. I know he told me I need to. I just don't really feel like reading scripture. And I think there's a reason. In fact, this is the reason that I put in your notes. I think that we don't feel like reading scripture because of what we feel about scripture. Let me say that again. I think for us, we don't feel like reading scripture because of what we feel about Scripture. In other words, it's the connotation, it's the way we feel when we hear the word Scripture that often hinders us from actually wanting to read Scripture. We don't really feel like reading Scripture simply because of how we feel about Scripture. If I were to talk to some of you in the room, and I were to ask you, how do you feel, or what do you think of when you hear the word Scripture, for some of you, these would be your answers. Some of you would say, when I hear the word Scripture, I think boring right? It's like, it's like this thing is like thousands of pages long, you know? You want me to read a book that's like a thousand pages long? It's like, I have trouble reading a book that's like a hundred pages long, and now you want me to read this thing? This is like a snoozer, you know? It's like, why on earth would I want to read that? It's really boring. And then some of you would say, 
you feel like it's outdated. You're like, man, that, that book is like thousands of years old. It doesn't relate to my life, right? It doesn't talk about Snapchat. It doesn't talk about Instagram. It doesn't talk about peer pressure. It doesn't talk about the things that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. In fact, it talks about things like farms and sheep. And it's like, well, I don't really live on a farm, and I don't really own any sheep, you know? So it's like, I can't really relate to that. It seems really outdated. Some of you would say that it's inaccurate. Some of you have heard people talk about Scripture, and you've heard them say things like, well, there's, you know, there's all these things that don't line up in Scripture. So for you, instead of asking questions about Scripture, you just kind of throw the whole thing away, and you say, I don't really care about it, because after all, I've heard it's really inaccurate. And then finally, some of you would say, you know what? It's just not helpful. You know, it's like I tried reading scripture once and it was telling all these stories about like these wars and it used all these big words and it just wasn't really helpful to me. And every now and then when it talked about something that I was going through, it made me feel bad. And so for a lot of you, if I were to ask you, how do you feel about scripture? What do you think of when you think of scripture? For a lot of you, you would say it's like boring, it's outdated, it's inaccurate, and it's not really helpful. And if you feel that way about scripture, no wonder you don't want to read scripture, right? It's like, if you feel like this thing is outdated, of course you don't want to read that. I mean, reading something that's boring, outdated, and accurate, that sounds like torture. So of course, of course, you wouldn't want to read scripture. But here's my question for you tonight. What if, what if we got it wrong? What if the way we feel about scripture isn't actually the way scripture really is. In other words, what if our connotation of Scripture is wrong? What if Scripture is more alive? What if Scripture is more exciting than we thought it was? So tonight, I want to talk a little bit about Scripture, and to do that, I just want to look at one verse of Scripture about Scripture, Okay, so if you're one of those people that you like when the sermons, you know, only have one or two verses, you're going to love tonight. If you hate it when the sermons have multiple verses, good for you. We only have one verse that we're going over tonight, and then we'll be done. Okay, so we're going to look at one verse of Scripture that actually talks about Scripture. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. It's the Scripture that we put right under your chair or right under the chair in front of you. We're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is on page 1199, 1199. And here's the cool thing. We're going to be looking at something called 2 Timothy, okay? And 2 Timothy is actually a letter. Not many people know this. It's a letter written by a guy named Paul to a guy named, any guesses? Timothy, you got it. You guys are so smart, okay? That's why they call it that. And here's the cool thing. This wasn't Paul's first letter to Timothy. It was actually his, yeah, it was his second letter, which is why we call it 2 Timothy, okay? His real original name, okay? So this is a letter written by a guy named Paul, who is a pastor like me, and written to a guy named Timothy, who is like, who is like, uh, who is Paul's like protege. This was like the guy that Paul was training to be a pastor, And in this letter, at the very end of his second letter to Timothy, he starts talking about Scripture. At the very end, he says, I know this topic is going to come up. I know a lot of people have questions, and a lot of people have thoughts about Scripture. And so when they ask you about Scripture, when people want to know more about Scripture, here is what you tell them. And this is what he says. All Scripture, this is how he starts. 
all Scripture is God-breathed. And we're going to pause right there. And the reason why I want to pause right there is because this statement is huge. I mean, if this statement were true, that means that all Scripture is God-breathed, meaning all Scripture is coming out of the mouth of God, which means all Scripture is God-speaking. All Scripture is God-talking to you. And so if you've ever wanted to know if God is saying something to you, if you've ever wanted to know how God feels about you, if you've ever wanted to know, did God really think that? Does God really think that? Then, then Paul's saying here, all Scripture, if you really want to know, all Scripture is coming from the mouth of God. For instance, let me um, say it this way. Um, is it possible that God could speak to you through a dream? Is that possible? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Is it possible that God could speak to you through a friend? Yeah, that's right. Is it possible that God could speak to you through a circumstance you're going through? That's right. God could speak to you through all these things. But this verse does not say all dreams are God-breathed. Meaning sometimes a dream isn't from God. Sometimes a dream is just like you had some really bad pizza. And that's where the dream came from. Right? Sometimes um, it doesn't say all conversations or all friendships are God-breathed, which means sometimes your friends, when they talk to you, it's not God speaking to you. It's just your friend speaking to you. This verse doesn't say that all circumstances are God-breathed because sometimes it's just a circumstance. It's not God trying to say something to you. But this verse does say all Scripture. In other words, all Scripture, all of this, it's God talking to you. So if you want to know what God is saying, look no further than Scripture. Here's another way to say it, and this is in your notes. The words of Scripture, the words of Scripture are the words of God. What Paul is saying to Timothy, and I'm telling you, this is like mind-blowing. This is a big, big statement that the words of Scripture are the words of God. So if you want to know what God is saying, you just look at Scripture. It's kind of like this. Um, does anyone know what this is right here? A letter. a letter. Very good. Has anyone ever gotten one of these before? A letter? Yeah. A letter, by the way, for those of you that don't know, a letter is like email before email was a thing. Okay? This is how, how people used to like write mail and letter to one another. Okay? So this is a letter. And here's the cool thing about this letter. This letter was actually written to me from a while ago, uh, back when I was in middle school, which is pretty cool. Um, and when I was in high school, a lot of my friends started calling me Steve, and then in college, friends started calling me Steve. Um, but before that, all of my friends called me Stephen, okay? So this letter was written to Stephen Walton. That's me, okay? So this letter was written to, uh, uh, letters written to Stephen, 2821 Davidson Drive. That's where I used to live. And it was written by a guy named Brett Davis, now, some of you have heard me talk about Brett. Brett was like a mentor of mine. He was uh, someone who like cared for me, who talked to me, who wrote me letters and all that good stuff. And so this letter is from Brett and um, the address is 1050 South Lumpkin Street, apartment 801 in Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. Yes, go dogs. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, so Brett went to UGA, and then many years later, I went to UGA as well. So Brett was a college student. I was in middle school, and Brett, this college student at UGA, wrote me, a middle schooler, a letter. And so here's the letter, okay? And I'm not going to read 
the whole thing to you because you wouldn't find it exciting. It's really like sentimental and awesome for me, but I'm just going to read part of it, okay? First thing he did, he put the date at the top, <laughs> which is really funny. This is from June 27th, 1998. Yeah, this letter is older than y'all, okay? It's older than like two of y'all combined. I'm just kidding. No, so this is an old letter because I'm an old guy. Uh, written in 1998, and this is what he wrote to me. He said, Stephen, because that's what they used to call me. Stephen, I enjoyed your letter. It put a smile on my face. And the most significant thing that you wrote was the fact that you were only beginning to experience God. It's exciting, isn't it? And then he went on and he said some more things, and then this is how he ended it. He said, God loves you and has awesome plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, remember that you are looking into the face of a child of God. And that makes us brothers. Your big brother, Brett. P.S. Right back. Okay, so this was the letter that Brett wrote to me. Now, here's the cool thing about this letter. Um, I care a lot about Brett. Brett, again, is this amazing mentor. If I want to know what Brett is saying to me, all I have to do is read this letter. Because when I read this letter, I know that this came from Brett. Brett actually wrote me a letter. In other words, the words of this letter are the words of Brett. And so in the same way, Scripture is God's letter to you. See, the same way this, the words of this letter are the words of Brett, the words of Scripture right here, the words of Scripture are the words of God to you. In other words, this is God's letter written from God to you. So if you want to know what God is saying, this is the letter that has the words of God. Now, in addition to that, this letter um, was written a long time ago. It was written when I used to live in Lithonia, Georgia, when I was in middle school. After living in Lithonia, we moved to Conyers. That's where I went to high school, was in Conyers. After Conyers, we then moved, or I moved, to Athens because I went to school at UGA. And my freshman year, I lived at the dorm at UGA. And then my sophomore year, I lived in an apartment. And then my junior and senior year, I lived at a house and UGA. And then after I graduated, Catherine and I got married and we lived in an apartment. In fact, we ended up living in five different apartments in five years. Three in Athens, one in Atlanta, and then one here in Lawrenceville. And then after living in an apartment here in Lawrenceville for a little bit, we ended up buying a house here in Lawrenceville. Now, here's why I tell you that. This letter was written and given to me when we lived in Lithonia. And this letter has survived close to 10 moves. Meaning every time our family has moved, every time we've moved, this letter has moved with me. And I still have it today. The reason I still have this letter is because Brett means a lot to me. Brett is a mentor of mine. Brett is a friend of mine. And because I care about who Brett is, I care about what he said. See, because, because when you, when the more you treasure who they are, the more you treasure what they say. When you have a friend or a family member that you really care about and you want to you know, know them more, the more you treasure who they are, the more you treasure what it is they say. And because I treasure Brett so much, I treasure this letter because I treasure what he said. 
And here's the idea. The more you treasure your relationship with God, the more you treasure who God is to you, the more you're going to treasure God's word to you. Because the more you treasure who they are, the more you treasure what they say. And this is what God has said to you. Now, if that weren't good enough, I mean, if that weren't enough reason to read scripture because it's God literally talking to you, God wanting to say something to you, if that weren't enough, Paul goes on and says there's another reason why reading scripture is incredible. This is what he said. He said all scripture is God-breathed, but not only is it God-breathed, it's useful. In other words, it's helpful, like it's going to help you out. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In other words, it's going to help you live a better life. See, because even though we want to live a better life, I know that you want to live a better life. You want to have a better time in middle school. You want to have better friendships, better relationships. You want to have a better life. Sometimes we make decisions that don't help us get that better life. In fact, has anyone in the room ever made a decision that they later regretted? Yeah, after they did it, they were like, whoops, <laughs> that was not the right call, right? Because even though we want to have a good life, even though we have all these ideas, sometimes we still make decisions that we regret. And regret is proof that we don't always know what's best for us because sometimes we make decisions that we later regret. See, for me, um, I had a moment of regret about a year ago. Uh, about a year ago, shortly after my wife and I moved into our house, I had this idea that I was going to build this big fire pit in our backyard because I love fire. Does anyone else love fire? Yeah. Any pyromania? Yeah. I love fire, okay? So I thought, I love fire so much, I want to have fire like all the time, okay? If it gets below 70 degrees, we're going to build a fire outside. Thank you very much. And so I decided to build a fire pit in our backyard. But there was one problem. There was one thing that stood in the way of me and that fire pit. And that problem was this. Does anyone know what this is? We got some Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in the room. Yeah. This is poison ivy. Okay. Leaves of three. Let them be. Yeah, that's right. This is poison ivy right here. And where I wanted to build the fire pit was covered in poison ivy. So, now, I'm not really smart, but I'm kind of smart, and I'm smart enough to know that's poison ivy. So I said, I need to get rid of this poison ivy. So I put on some gloves, and then I very carefully, very carefully tore up the poison ivy, got, it, you know, got rid of all the poison ivy, so then all that was left was a bunch of dirt and rocks and roots, okay? And then I started to dig, because you have to dig to build the fire pit. So I got my shovel, and I started to dig, and then the more I started to dig, the more I was like, I don't really need these gloves anymore, so I took off the gloves, and I just kept digging. And I dig and dig and dig. And then as I was digging, sometimes I would dig and have a shovel full and I would move it. Other times it was really tough to get a shovel full. So it was a lot easier if I would just bend down, pick up the dirt, and move it out of the way. Okay? Some of y'all are smarter than me because I didn't see the issue with this. And so I would pick up the dirt, you know, throw it away, and then I would keep digging, keep digging, and then pick up the dirt and move it away and then keep digging. And then, because we live in Georgia, there's just mosquitoes everywhere. So all these mosquitoes are landing on my, like, arms and legs. So I'm digging, you know, moving, picking up the dirt, and there's a mosquito. Ah, and then I'd swat it and then dig, move the dirt, and ah, there's another mosquito. Dig, and I'm like, oh, come on, all these mosquitoes. What I didn't realize was that as I was digging, that dirt was full of poison ivy roots. Not a good thing, okay? So I'm digging, I'm digging, and I'm picking up this poison ivy root. Not only are my hands getting exposed to poison ivy, but every time I swatted a mosquito, I spread it all over my body. 
So I get to the end of digging this fire pit, and I'm really excited, and I come inside, and I show Catherine, I go, fire pit, man, I got everything dug, now I just got to build it. And there was even a picture of me doing a big thumbs up, grinning like an idiot. I was like, I did it. And what I didn't realize was while that picture was being taken, poison ivy was spreading all over my body. And about three days later, unable to sleep, I had to uh, be rushed or I had to go to the urgent care because poison ivy was literally all over my arms, legs, and was spreading to my chest. Not a good thing. And I remember being in the urgent care and I had to get a shot, okay, because when you get poison ivy really bad, you have to get a shot. And it was a shot that they did not give me in my arm, They gave it to me somewhere else, and I'll let your imaginations take it from there, okay? So they gave me a shot because of how bad the poison ivy was, and I remember laying on that table thinking, that was a dumb idea, right? If I could go back, I would do it differently because every now and then, even though we have really good intentions, we make some bad decisions. We make decisions that we later regret, And I think one of the reasons that Scripture is so powerful, because Scripture is God's way of standing in the way of you and I making really dumb decisions and say, trust me, you don't want to do that. Trust me, don't do that because it'll cause pain down the road. Trust me, I know know you really want to, but this is me saying to you, I care about you, please don't do that. Because Scripture isn't for our punishment. Scripture isn't for our punishment. It's for our protection. Scripture is not intended to make you feel bad. Scripture isn't just so you can read it and then feel like, oh my gosh, I messed up again. You know, how on earth could this happen? Scripture isn't for our punishment. It's for our protection. It's God standing in the way saying, I don't want you to make another dumb decision. I don't want you to make a decision that you're later going to regret. I don't want you to blow up that relationship. I don't want you to blow up your relationship with your parents. I don't want you to do something that later you're going to regret. And so it's God's way of standing in the way, correcting And training us. So not only is scripture God speaking to you. But scripture is meant for our protection. Not our punishment. Now for some of you. You might be interested. You might actually want to read scripture. So if that's you and you want to read scripture. A lot of times there's two things that stand in the way of a middle schooler. Wanting to read scripture. And here they are. Maybe for you you're thinking. I don't know where to start. And I don't know what to do. You might be thinking, I really want to read scripture, but I don't know where to start, and I don't really know what to do. And so here's what I would say. If you don't know where to start, my recommendation to you is to read the book of Luke. Read the book of Luke, bless you. Uh, Read the book of Luke, because Luke, believe it or not, is actually a letter written by a guy named Luke. You got it. Now you're figuring it out, okay? Luke is a letter written by a guy named Luke to another guy named Theophilus. That's right. This guy wanted to know more about who God is. And because he wanted to know more about who God is, Luke actually set out to tell him who God is. And so Luke is a great place to start. In fact, at the very beginning of Luke, this is what he writes down. He says, Since many, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, and I too, I too decided to write an orderly account 
for you. In other words, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about God. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about Jesus. But I want to write it down so that you can understand who God is and who Jesus is. So if you don't quite know where to start, start with the letter of the guy who wrote things down so that you and I could know who God actually is. So if you don't know where to start, I would recommend starting with Luke. Now, some of you have heard me say that before. And some of you, after a service like this, when we talk about Scripture and I say you should really start with the book of Luke, some of you have actually come up to me after the service and you've come up to me and said, okay, so Steve, I don't really know where to start. So where should I start? And I look at that student and I go, Luke. And then they look at me and they go, oh, well, yeah, I know. But like for me, where should I start? And I look at them and I go, for you, Luke. Okay, start with the book of Luke. If you don't know where to start, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, start with the book of Luke. It's the best place to start. Now, if you don't know what to do, if you're new to reading scripture, if maybe if you want to start tonight, you can even start this when you get home. This is what I would recommend. I want you to read a verse of scripture or a chapter of scripture and then ask these two questions. And all of that should take about five minutes. Don't try to make it take 10 minutes. Don't try to make it take 30 minutes. Just try five minutes. I want you to read and then ask God or pray. Ask God, God, what does this say about you? And what does this say about me? If you're new to like figuring out the whole Jesus thing, or if you're new to reading scripture, what I want you to do is just try five minutes. No more. Try five minutes and ask, what does this say about God? And what does this say about me? Here's the beautiful thing about five minutes. No matter how busy you are, no matter how many sports you play, no matter how much stuff you got going on at home or going on at school, no matter how much homework you have, everyone has five minutes. So my challenge to you is to just try it out with the book of Luke. Try just reading five minutes and asking these two questions. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you decide to try this and you're reading and you come upon the story of when, um, of when uh, Jesus was walking on the water and Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and so Peter decided to start walking on the water too and he looked at Jesus and he said, hey, tell me to come out to you and I'll come out and I'll actually walk on the water. So Peter started walking on the water and he kept his eyes on Jesus and then he looked around, he saw all this like storm and waves and wind and he started to get afraid. So then when he started to get afraid, he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink and then after he started sinking, immediately Jesus reached down his hand and pulled him up. So let's say that's what you read. And then after you read that, close your eyes and think and pray and say, okay, God, what does this say about you? And maybe for you, a simple answer to that question is, well, it says that God's able to walk on water. It says that God is more powerful than the wind and the waves. And it also says that whenever I sink or whenever I'm in trouble, God reaches out his hand to me immediately. And then what does this say about me? Well, in the story, it's like I'm Peter, and when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. So maybe for me, when I take my eyes off Jesus, I start to sink. And then that's it. And then close the Bible and go about your day. I want you to try this for just five minutes every day. Because what if it's true? What if scripture literally is God's letter 
to you. Don't you want to know what God thinks about you? Don't you want to know what God would say to you? I'm telling you, I think if everyone in this room began to read scripture, I think it could actually change your life. I mean, imagine how different your family could be. Imagine how different your small group could be. Imagine how different your school would be if you and I in this room started reading just five minutes a day. And what if God started speaking to us through Scripture? Because I'm telling you, the words of Scripture are the words of God. And they are not meant for our punishment. They're meant for our protection. So let me pray for you. God, I, I, um, I pray in this moment that students would recognize just how good your word is to us. And even though it can be difficult, I know it's tough to start reading scripture, I pray that you would give these students the boldness to begin doing that even tonight. That maybe even in their small groups, they would encourage one another. They would have a group chat going. They would say, hey, did you do your five minutes today? Did you do your five minutes today? God, I pray that you would give them accountability to start reading five minutes of scripture every day. Knowing that it's for their benefit. Knowing that it's not for their punishment. It's for their protection. God, so I pray, I know this is easy to talk about, but very difficult to do. I pray that you would give our students the boldness to go do this. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.